Hey, this is Lori from Hike, where we explore, wander, and live. When I first came to the Atlanta area, I heard about the Chattahoochee River. See, locals would tell me about going to shoot the hooch. It was a summertime rite of passage where you would take a tube and go down the Chattahoochee. What I learned as I started really exploring the Chattahoochee River area is that there's so much to love about it and so many opportunities for recreation and enjoying oneself. In today's episode, I get a chance to talk with Superintendent William Cox of the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area. He shares his stories of the Chattahoochee River, why he loves it so much, and some of the opportunities that we all can have to enjoy that area, protect it, and volunteer to make it a better place. So please listen in to Bill Cox share his stories about working there at the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area and all the things he's come to love about it. So I'm here with Bill Cox. He's a superintendent at the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area. Um, So just tell me a little bit about yourself to begin with. Okay. So I've been superintendent here about five years. I've been with the Park Service about a quarter of my federal service. Mm-hmm. Closing in on 40 years. So, um, yeah, this is the fifth park I've worked in. I started my career with the Park Service out west. But, okay, what what parks did you work at before? Um, Sunset Crater National Monument, um, Wapatki National Monument. Those are both near Flagstaff, Arizona. Okay, I should look those up. Yep, Zion National Park. Oh, wow. Which is my all-time favorite. I did a stint, a detail down at Biscayne National Park in Florida. And here, um, a lot of my career is actually with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. I was a, I'm a water nerd, water guy, so it's appropriate to be at the river. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's my hometown. Uh, okay. I grew up here. So you went out west, did mm-hmm. some things, and then found your way back home. 20, about 20 years later, yeah. So um, I grew up around here. I... Actually, as a kid, used to come here when this was a camp, before it was owned by the Park Service. This has been a park since 1978. So um, there's a couple of us, myself and another ranger, who actually were campers here before it was a park. Before it was a park. So I had done a little bit of research about the Chattahoochee River Mm -hmm. National Recreation Area. And if my memory is right, Basically, um, was it created by um, President Carter? Yeah, correct. Okay. It was. And, um, you know, there was a group of people called the Friends of the River, who mm-hmm. um, many of whom are still around. And uh, they saw the way Atlanta was developing in the um, 70s and 80s. And they had always paddled and, you know, experienced the river. And they said, you know, if we don't work together and try to protect this river, you know, it's going to be developed all the way to, you know, Buford Dam. So they worked with uh, the Sierra Club, Georgia Conservancy and others, and um, over time were able to get a bill introduced into Congress by Andrew Young, and then uh, President Carter signed it into law in 1978. So we're well over, this is our 41st year. Wow. 
So I got to tell you when I, I mean, I went to, I came here probably right after the Olympics. So I had visited Atlanta and that was my first introduction and then started working down here part of the time for projects in 2015. And the first thing that I think I was amazed at is I didn't realize how much green space there really is here in Atlanta. And, you know, my first exposure was getting out and I went to Powers Ferry. That was my first um, unit I explored. But I was really amazed that there were so many different units or different places you can visit along the Chattahoochee River. So I guess tell me a little bit about, you know, how many are there and then the diversity of of creating all of these different units that really help promote um, recreation in this area. So the the National Recreation Area is 48 miles of the Chattahoochee River. Okay. Goes from Buford Dam, Lake Lanier, all the way to the confluence of Peachtree Creek in Atlanta. So along that 48 miles, there are 15 separate land units. Uh, they're not contiguous. They, you know, we call it a string of pearls. They're dotted mm-hmm. along the river. Uh, some of them are quite large. Um, the largest is about 979 acres uh, to some relatively small ones. Um, we have 83 miles of hiking trails in these 15 units. Um, You're talking about green space. A really amazing statistic is that one out of every five acres of public green space in the 10-county metro area is in this park. So it's Mm -hmm. a significant green space. And that's really, you know, when I think about what makes us different than the county parks and the city parks, is that we can still put people on some fairly lengthy trails, uh, both paddle trails and hiking trails, in some really natural areas, all next to a metro area of about 5.9 million people now. And that, that's pretty amazing that we have this, you know, corridor of, of solitude and natural beauty right next to a, a right among a, a metro area that is this big. I got to say that in my experience, there are times that, you know, I am hiking on one of the trails and you do forget that you are here in the Atlanta area. You you know, there's some, yes, you can hear the the cars at some points and things like that, but there's a lot of solitude and peacefulness. And Mm -hmm. I feel that this is probably just that place that people can gravitate towards um, in such a busy area. It's such a busy lifestyle that that most people have here in Atlanta. We're, you know, we're in an urban park, and I like to think of this as a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, to connect people to the outdoor experience, maybe for the first time, and then, you know, hopefully get them interested in visiting other parks and getting out in the outdoors and ultimately becoming advocates and stewards for um, natural areas and conservation areas and recreation areas themselves. So, um Speaking of that, are there opportunities that people have to volunteer here yeah. or to, you know, somehow, you know, give back to the, both the, the park system and just, you know, on the trail itself yeah. and the river? Yeah. What kinds of things do you do? There are great opportunities here. We have a volunteer coordinator that works in the park. His name's Dave Thomas. And Dave arranges volunteer individuals or groups. We have a lot of corporate groups that come out. Um, and we have trail days, we have cleanup days. 
We have a lot of Boy Scout groups that come okay. out. They're going to be building some some trail bridges, replacing some trail bridges for us. So we we average about since I've been here about forty thousand volunteer hours annually, and we put a price tag on that of about twenty two dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. So you know we get about a million dollars worth of service from our volunteer commu you know, communities. And, you know, we even have a, a nonprofit organization that supports the park called the Chattahoochee Parks Conservancy. And they also uh, bring volunteers to the park. So volunteerism is huge. We could not maintain this much land and water <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, just with the staff here. I mean, they really make a huge difference. I think last year, you know, just clearing trails, we had probably over 300 trees fall across the trails that they cleared. Um, they'll go out and we train people to use chainsaws. And uh, it's amazing how, how many people want to volunteer to do trail work. Um, yeah. But we'll take them out there and they'll, you know, we get a lot of visitation. So um, our trails are always in need of maintenance and those kind of things. So... We'll put them out there, and we're having a big event, annual event with the Chattahoochee Riverkeeper on April six called Sweep the Hooch. Okay. And we'll put hundreds of people out there. If it if the water will um, cooperate and the flow will go down, they'll be on the river and on the trails in the various units collecting trash. And um, yeah, it's a significant amount of trash. Now it's bigger than just the park. But uh, I think last year they pulled out um, over 20 tons. Okay, so they're actually like going into the, getting stuff out of the water. Correct, yeah. And Fires, refrigerators, you know, kinds of things. Yeah, everything you probably can imagine. Yeah, a lot of tennis balls. <laughs> Speaking of tennis balls, because this is a dog-friendly yes. park, right? Yes. So you do see a lot of dogs coming out with their owners, um, people running, like you said, hiking, just having picnics, yeah. um, and the water itself. So tell me a little bit about the opportunities for exploring the water. So a lot of people are kayaking yep. and, and canoeing and different things like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the water sports, you know, the biggest is probably tubing. People, particularly mm -hmm. in the summer when it's warm, and the, the water, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, is always cold. It's always about 50 degrees because okay. it's coming off the bottom of Lake Lanier. So you want the tube with the bottom in it. Good um, advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your rear can get cold after a long day on the river. But so they'll, they'll float the river. Um, of course, kayaks, um, canoes. We even have uh, a, a um, commercial operator that rents paddle boards and does paddleboard instructing down at Overlook Park, which is actually a city of Sandy Springs Park, right near Morgan Falls Dam. So we have commercial operators that will rent people rafts, canoes, kayaks, paddle boards, tubes, um, or people can bring their own and, um, you know, get on the river. The, the, the nice thing about having the commercial operators is once you get off, they can take you back to where yes. your car is. So you can make a day of it. And um, we have in the southern end at Powers Island, where you were, there at the Nantahala Outdoor Center is our concessioner uh, in, the, in the park. 
and they can actually put people on the river there and then up at Johnson Ferries North and then pull you off at our southernmost takeout point, which is Pace's Mill. So you can make, you can have a wonderful day of it. And I hope, you know, people when they visit Atlanta will explore those opportunities to get out on the river. There's a lot of diversity, a lot of things you can do here in Atlanta. You know, participating in the outdoors and recreating is just one. Yeah, definitely. So out of, um, you said there's 15 yes. units. So do you have a personal favorite? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I kind of tend toward Gold Branch, which is just south oh, of here. Oh, yes, I've been there. Um, because it's really like being in the mountains without mm -hmm. going to the mountains. Uh, it's close by. And um, it's actually one of the, um, you know, less used units. So it's usually pretty quiet over there. Um, and it's just a great close by to where I live. Just a great place to sneak off to and get a little solitude. Yeah, so I've hiked Gold Branch, and that's the one that has the car that's yeah. somewhat off the trail. Yeah. Um, and I think that just the interesting thing, um, I'm just a big history, you know, oh. buff anyway, but I love that you can find such, you know, history within this area. And, oh, yeah. And, of course, the river itself and then, um, you know, the Native American use right. of the area, yeah. so a lot of of the cave dwellings and mm -hmm. different things. So are there any programs or information that the park does about the history well, of this area? We do programming. A mm -hmm. lot of that programming in the past is centered on environmental education. You know, I want to do some additional historic programming in the future. In fact, we're bringing on another ranger that I hope to be able to do that with. But you're right. I mean, the history here is incredible. I mean, we have probably 10,000 years of Native American occupation. And, you know, evidenced in, you know, everything from where they built fish weirs in the river to kind of funnel the fish so they could catch them. Oh. Um, to like you said, some of these um, rock shelters. Yes. Um, but then, you know, more recently, you had the, the Creeks and the Cherokee Indians who lived here um, up until the time of the Trail of Tears when, you know, they were forced out. But um, a lot of Native American populations were here. And then, of course, you know, the whole Civil War era, you know, there were Civil War entrenchments along the river. And, of course, Union troops crossed just down the river here at Chaliford. And, um, you know, we have in our Vickery Creek unit the remains of the Ivy Mill and what became Laurel Mill, mm -hmm. um, the ruins from those old mills, and then down at Cochran Shoals near Soap, the Soap Creek, part of that, there is the paper mill ruins. Um, so, you know, this area, you know, rivers have been an integral part of, you know, the economy for a long time for a lot of people. So there's just quite a bit of history here that, you know, we need to take better advantage of, quite frankly. We have an old home, the Allenbrook home that's in our own. Um, Vickery Creek unit that was actually Roswell King's um, grandsons. Um, one of them actually lived there when he was the supervisor of Ivy Mill Ruin and um, left the area right before the Civil War. But um, yeah, I mean, just so much history here. Wow. I mean, even my ancestors, um, uh, my great grandfather operated a ferry on the river um, up near. Uh, what's now where the Settles Bridge is. 
Like she was married to a settler. So the river is definitely in your blood. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only appropriate that I bookend my career Rare. here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the the place where actually the the headquarters here mm-hmm. that we're in, can you tell me a little bit about this building? Because it's really beautiful. Yeah. I'll have to take a couple pictures to, to post, but... Um, just all the woodwork and just like an old lodge. So yeah. how did this come about? Yeah, great question. So this was built in the late 1930s by a Supreme Court justice in Georgia named Hewlett. Okay. And um, he was a lawyer. This this was actually his getaway home. This would be a really yeah. nice getaway. Yeah. He, um, of course, you know, had some money. He built a rail line that is now Northridge Road, um, all the way here, and he railed in, and I'll show you the logs in the, in the lodge from the Okefenokee, they're cypress logs. And then a lot of the stonework was quarry on site here. And so this was his getaway home. Um, it has, over the years, changed hands. Like I said, it was, um, it ended up being a, um, a camp that was where the Park Service acquired it from. But there's uh, another, it was called the Buck, I think the Buckhead Club. Um, and there were, um, it, was, it was kind of a place, uh, I think somebody told me there were one-armed bandits in the basement and, you know, uh, kind of a, um, a place where uh, people knew about and uh, came here. But it's, it's, it's got an interesting history. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. Okay. Um, and you're right, it has that kind of Adirondack Lodge feel to it, the architecture, mm-hmm. which we actually try to replicate in some of our, you know, other facilities throughout the park. So, yeah, very cool place to work. Yeah, um, definitely feels like you're bringing the outdoors in. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, definitely like for you, who obviously loves the outdoors and spent your career in the outdoors, this would be a nice... Uh, nice transition into that of being able to work in a place that you're able to uh, just feel the outdoors. Yeah. Uh, um, a part of it. Yeah. Uh, I always say I have the best office in Atlanta. Uh, I think you do. <laughs> may not be the biggest, but it's got a great view of the river, particularly in the winter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I look out the back and I can see deer, you know, in the hills there. And, um, and a couple of days ago, I actually saw a bald eagle you know, flying down the river corridor. That uh-huh. was pretty impressive. It was a big eagle. Yeah, I when I've been out hiking, and especially in here at Island Ford, I do see deer quite yeah. often. Mm-hmm. They, they know where they're protected. They, mm-hmm. They're smart. Um, and they're not so spooked at all no, by, by they, people. They're used to, they're used to people, people being around. I've seen red fox on the way in, in, early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, coyote. Um, and then when you get down the river, you know, we have uh, muskrat and beaver and otter. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, for these little islands, they came with wildlife, you know, which is kind of neat. Still have places for them to hang out. Mm-hmm. And because Atlanta is such a, um, you know, mild, I guess, environment during mm-hmm. the winter and everything like that, these areas can be used year-round for all yeah. kinds of recreation. Yeah, you know, one, one of the big uh, recreation things going on here is fishing. 
And because the water is cold, like I said, about 50 degrees, it, it supports a trout population, which is, we're pretty far south for trout. In fact, it's the southeasternmost trout um, fishery in the country. And so um, the rainbow trout, there's a state of Georgia hatchery on the river and they stock rainbow trout. And uh, uh, people fish around the shoals, uh, fly fish for the rainbows, but there's a population of brown trout that are now reproducing on their own and they get quite large. Uh, last two state records were caught in the park. Oh wow. Uh, brown trout. You wanna guess how big? Oh, I'm not good at guess. Um, let's see. I don't know. Like, a little oh, over twenty pounds. Twenty pounds. I was gonna say like thirty-nine inches. Like, I have to show you a picture. <laughs> okay. there's, there's some big ones in there. Wow. But um, yeah, so we we have people who you can, like you said, you can virtually fish year round. Yes, mm. fish and um, you know hike, run, mm. you know all through the year through these trails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We have a large rowing community uh, on the river, um, about 600. Really? Uh, I've mm -hmm. never come across the rowers. Yeah. So particularly right down here where Roswell Road crosses the bridge, there's a place right south of there where rowing clubs have access. They have their crew boats. And so, you know, several high schools, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, the Atlanta Rowing Club, a lot of them will practice on this stretch of river from just south of, um, of uh, Roswell Road. So, you know, the north end of Volsus Lake all the way up to, to the shoals here, you know, it's kind of a practice area. So, uh, yeah, and, and early in the morning and late in the evening, mm -hmm. often when I go home across the river and I see people out there crewing, and um, it's a lot of, that looks like a lot of fun. So even though this is probably, like you said, you know, a gem yeah. of the Atlanta area, do you feel that there's um, a lot of folks who aren't taking advantage of, of the opportunities here? Um, how would you want to introduce someone, I guess, to this area and to the, the different units and how can, you know, they be good stewards yeah. of the land? You know, we have, uh, of course, a website, you know, the National Park Service has a site for all its parks. So if you just go on to www.nps, like nationalparkservice.gov, backslash C-H-A-T for Chattahoochee, you can get a lot of information about the park and even trail maps. There, All these units have trail maps mm -hmm. that people can uh, inform themselves about. Um, you know, uh, of course, it's always important getting on the river to know the flow conditions um, because at certain high flows like we're experiencing now where the core is releasing a lot, um, it's a little more challenging out on the river. Uh, so uh, getting familiar and knowledgeable about the environment you're getting into is always important. But, um, you know, the best way is just you know, uh, connect with one of the commercial operators for the first time. I'm, I remember when we were here a long time ago when my kids were little, you know, we connected with um, what now would be like the Nantahala Outdoor Center down at Powers Island and just, you know, went there and rented a raft and, you know, they told us what to expect and, you know, it was a good way to get educated and 
and spend a day on the river. So uh, there's always opportunity to come here to Island Ford to our headquarters and talk to our rangers here. Somebody's always at the front desk. Uh, learn more about the area and the conditions they're getting into. But yeah, um, you know, there's certain things that uh, we want people to do, some things we want them to avoid, like uh, bringing glass. Yeah, um, no glass. No glass, yeah. And uh, wearing uh, life jackets. You know, there's certain stretch of the river where that's actually required. Um, so just, just learning about uh, the park, either from information provided on social media, Facebook, mm -hmm. Twitter, uh, the website, coming in and talking to us. There's just a lot of ways to get information about the park. And, and I think you know, that'll allow for a better experience uh, for our visitors and, and for us too. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And speaking of social media and, and uh, finding out about the park, I think one of the things that when I was researching different areas, that they said there was an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some, some, uh, some story out there about an alligator. Uh, about you it. want to hear the alligator story? <laughs> yes, I want to hear the okay. alligator story. <laughs> so when I first came here, I became aware that there was an alligator. So there really was There really one. was. Um, she lived in a wetland near Cochrane Shoals. Yes. And she was very reclusive. You didn't see her. But occasionally she'd get out and people would send a picture of the alligator in the river or, you know, we'd get post, I saw an alligator. And we always knew it was there. Mm -hmm. But it really, you know, it really kind of stayed away from people and everything. So uh, we kind of left it alone. And then um, a few years later, there, there was someone, a journalist who was writing for one of the local papers, did an article about the fact that there was an alligator in the park. Um, well, unfortunately, uh, once that became known, people wanted to see the alligator. Yes. So you had people, um, throwing rocks at the alligator. Uh, you had people leaving bags of food, food. for the alligator, which is never a All the stuff that you don't want to happen. Yes. So we had always had an agreement with the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. We had a protocol that if the alligator ever got out long mm -hmm. enough, we were going to capture and relocate that alligator. And so after all the publicity, that's actually what we did. Okay. We captured it with... Georgia DNR, and she was relocated south okay, so, to a warmer climate. So happy ending, hopefully, yes, for her. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I, I got to think that, you know, for alligator habitat, you're, you're pretty far north, and this is pretty cold. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. for an alligator. So, this was probably somebody's pet, pet that they that got too big. And that they let loose. Yeah, which is, you know, it's never a good idea to let things loose in a park. Mm -hmm. You know, we call them exotics or invasive species. Like snakes or alligators. Or yep, like and, and we've had, um, we've got um, uh, infestation of, a, of Asian swamp eels that we're dealing with that I'm sure somebody, you know, dumped into the park. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we the idea behind our national parks is that we preserve and protect as close as we can, you know, to um, what was here uh, for the enjoyment of present and future generations and kind of, you know, just another thing we have to deal with sometimes are these exotics. And they can be plants as well as animals or 
or reptiles or fish or whatever. So someone, um, you know, that's a good point. And especially for someone like me or other people who are visiting um, the area is to make sure, you know, we're cleaning off our shoes, cleaning mm-hmm. off our boots before we're going hiking, not to bring yeah. other plant matter and, and different um, seeds and different things into the environment. And, and you mentioned being pet friendly. Cleaning up after your dog is huge for us. You know, we, number one, dogs are welcome in our units. They need to be on a leash. There is a leash law here to protect the dog <laughs> and, and uh, sometimes our visitors. But yes. um, but we have a, we've, we've had an issue with, uh, you know, people collecting pet waste and then leaving it on the trail. And uh, we had some students interview people and they said, well... I've always wondered about that. Yeah, the, the bag's dio- biodegradable and the, you know, the pet waste is fertilizer. And the answer is no and no. <laughs> no, those bags aren't biodegradable. And no, that's not fertilizer we want. In fact, it has a lot of pathogens and contamination we don't want to get in our waterway. Um, and it's interesting, we, of course, water quality is huge here, and it's a component for, you know, if we're going to have people out there recreating, we need to make sure the water quality is as good as possible. So we did some pathogen source tracking to kind of see where our contaminants were coming from. And this occurs mainly after large rains. And so we found that our pathogen contamination spikes after a long range. And the two biggest sources, interestingly enough, were humans, Mm -hmm. which you can think of from, you know, leaking sewer pipes, uh, sanitary sewer overflows, uh, septic tanks that aren't maintained in the watershed. But the second biggest one were dogs. And it's because, you know, I think people think that leaving this is a good thing when really the opposite's true. We need to be taking those uh, pet waste with us and depositing them. We have containers for that in, in all our locations. So um, just encouraging people to do that. No, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Plus it makes the trail more enjoyable for yeah. everyone. Yeah, 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 it does. So while I was in Bill's office, I noticed he had a lot of great um, printouts of the area and and one in particular, a huge map that was you know standing up on an easel that showed the whole Chattahoochee River along with the different units associated with it. And actually, you can find that same map in a small form on the informational brochures that are at the nps.gov site. So um, I asked him to tell me more about it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the map you have? Sure, sure. You have a lot of different photographs and mm-hmm. maps in your office, and I think I'm going to definitely share probably a picture of this one because it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so um, this is a map, of course, of the park. We own the green areas on the map. And what's interesting is our Congress sets the boundaries for our park. And this was first created in 1978, but there have been two amendments that have added land. And so we can acquire land in the tan areas from willing sellers. Oh, okay. That's our authorized boundary. So since I've been here, we've acquired this track, 
uh, here at, near McGinnis Ferry Road. We've acquired this track. In fact, we did that with the city of Sugar Hill up here in the southeast quadrant of Highway 20 in the river. Um, we have acquired two tracks here and we're working with the Trust for Public Lands to acquire our track right here at the southwest corner. So we will have, you know, basically over, you know, the last five years been able to acquire properties along the river. And, you know, that's the best thing we can do for water quality is create that buffer um, along the river's edge. So um, we're working with other communities. There's uh, the community of Johns Creek is looking to acquire some land to create a greenway in this area. Um, so we're still picking up parcels from willing sellers. And thankfully there are people who want their property kind of in the legacy of the National Park Service. So um, one of the things that we have done is back in 2016, we, we kind of stepped back and said, we need to create a strategic direction for this park. Uh -huh. And our staff, you know, thought about, you know, what do we really need to do here? And we talked about the fact that, you know, we needed to create a greater identity for the park as a unit of the National Park Service. Because a lot of people come here and they don't know they're actually in a national park unit. So we said, well, how do we do that? And we said, we're going to focus on three areas of the park every five years and try to create a really what I call iconic park service experience. So our first three units are the Paces Mill, Mill area okay. of the Palisades up here at Vickery Creek. And we're working with the city of Roswell there and with the Cumberland Community Improvement District down at Paces. And then we decided to take advantage of focusing on the river itself. And uh, we were the, the first designated national water trail in the country back in 2012. You know, we've never really capitalized that on that. So I hired a group from Virginia Tech, their School of Landscape Architecture, to uh, come in and give us ideas about how to enhance the river as a national water trail. And so some of the things they were suggesting are maybe creating an opportunity to paddle and camp and be able, to, mm -hmm, be able to do the 48 miles. I think, you know, speaking of a lot of people want to do that experience, like a long distance mm -hmm, trail, mm -hmm. a long distance paddle. So I think being able to, whether it's tent camp or hammock yep. camp, yep. but have an opportunity to from be able to start it from, you know, whether they're going, where they start up at. You could. You could actually put in here. Um, the Corps has a boat ramp right okay, there. So up towards um, Lake Lanier. Lake Lanier. Okay. Buford Dam. And then, you know, paddle down 10 miles or so and maybe um, Swanee Creek might be a good place. We have property there. Uh, that would make a nice day. And then, you know, I'm looking at maybe Jones Bridge here. And then uh, down at um, Gold Branch, there's some some property not where the trails are, but over on this side, that would make a nice camping area. And then it, you can portage Morgan Falls and we need to work on that. But uh, then the next day be completely out, of, or, or at least down to Paces, our southernmost takeout point. So like a four day trip, you could make it. Three, yeah, three, three nights, three four nights, days. Yeah. Four days. Yeah, 48 miles. I think that would be an amazing weekend yeah. trip. So yeah, I think that's a great idea to promote that and to 
bring awareness that mm-hmm. there's you know opportunity to see all the beautiful land around mm-hmm. and and just have an experience like no other. Well, yeah, and like you said, I mean, it, it, there are just some beautiful places. There are places up here, particularly where we own both sides of the river, where I could take you and you would swear you were in North Carolina, the mountains. I mean, particularly in the fall, it's just gorgeous. And yeah, there are some places where there's some development, but by and large, there's still pockets. And this is a gorgeous stretch, even the southern stretch down here from from Morgan Falls down through here. Um, it's just beautiful. So, you know, it's just a great um, asset to have here in Atlanta. If you like the opportunity to get out and get away. Well, and, and reconnect. <laughs> yes, to definitely reconnect and have some, you know, time, a quiet time, time with nature, and um, a little bit of renewal while yep. you're at it. Well, thank you for speaking to me about the river and about all the different units and what some of the plans are to to get more people mm-hmm. involved and to, to volunteer and uh, give back as well as be responsible while you're enjoying um, all of the natural you know beauty that we have. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, you, you know, it was civic engagement that started us in 78 and it'll, it'll be civic engagement that sustains us into the future so um you know if we can connect people to the river and and have have them have a good experience then we've got people who want to take care of the river i hope you enjoyed today's episode with superintendent william cox if you want to learn more about the chattahoochee river please visit my show notes where i give you links to the national park service informational page as well as some other resources you can use. And if you haven't done so already, please take a moment and subscribe to my podcast so that you can get the latest episode delivered to you right when I release them. Mm